session. Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum. Welcome to another episode of the Secession podcast. We are here at Secession in the recording studio. My name is Christian Lubert and I'm the curator of the exhibition with My Ling. And I'm very happy to welcome four of the members of My Ling here with me in the studio. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I would like to start with the question of who is My Ling? Can you say a few words about the collective? So My Ling started in 2019, even before the pandemic came. And before it was an Asian diaspora platform, My Ling was actually a group of friends in the arts who gathered together over a coffee to talk about the various discriminations they were facing in Vienna, being Asian bodies in Vienna. And a lot of the topics then centered around that. It was a way for us to understand that these microaggressions were not necessarily because of us personally, but were part of a bigger structure that was very much anti-Asian, but wasn't named as such. I think it was also quite... I could say that maybe the coming of the COVID pandemic also then um, made it urgent for my Ling to sort of take on the form that it did because of also the very acute rise in Asian hate that the population started facing, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. And add to that... I think uh, Malina also specifically talking about the perspective of Asian Flinta, so more queer feminist thinking and practices. So we are talking about anti-Asia racism, but we are also openly talking about racism and how sexism also happened in intersectional way. As an anonymous collective, you consist of a certain group of people who are basically the people that are part of the collective. We are not exposing who are actually my Lin members because, as we said, it is on one hand my Lin is an anonymous collective, but also, and it is an artist collective, so we don't hide our bodies or faces when we do the performances, for example, but at the same time, we are a platform. We want to offer and act as a platform to speak out for and speak for these bodies and communities. So, yeah, we don't put our names and we don't <laughs> disclose our individualities, so to say. And also, like, the often Asian prejudices or Asian discrimination often related to the national, national nationalities or one culture. But because as a Maidin, Maidin does not seek or does not represent any one single nationalities or any one single culture or languages. I think the power with Myling being an anonymous collective is that the individual steps back and Myling as a collective can speak on the experiences of many different voices. I think it's powerful because of its multiplicity and it's powerful because it can be anyone And I think this is what we mean by it being anonymous in that anyone can step in as my Ling, anyone can be my Ling. 
I think I would like to pick up the idea of working with the session. We had this question in the round of students yesterday is like, how does it feel to work with an institution such as the secession? I'd just be curious how you felt there, how you might have seen this as a chance. Yeah, what was your point of view on that? I think that having secession as the site actually really helped to inform the current exhibition, which is on ornamentalism. And it's because the institution is embedded in this history of Art Nouveau movement and objectification of female bodies, but also the appropriation of Asian motifs in art making. And it also has a very long patriarchal history of not allowing female artists into the institution until recently. So in approaching this exhibition, we obviously had the challenge of not reproducing such inequalities and such prejudices. And we really wanted to disrupt or subvert this idea of the objectified Asian body. Also in the first festivals, we also learned a lot. If we go enter any institutions in Austria, which is having white majority audiences, we cannot avoid white gaze. So this is from the beginning, we need to take it into consideration to produce exhibitions. So to take the audience into consideration each time, can you say a bit more about that? That's, I think, quite important to understand that not everyone shares that experience. I think when dealing with a majority white audience, there's always the risk of being viewed even more as objects by the white gaze. And so with such high visibility as the secession, we knew that this would be a risk. I think this is also very much related to how much hypersexualized Asian bodies are in the Western context. So when we are saying that it's the certain bodies and typically now uh, Asian bodies are objectified by the white gaze, that means that between this, the some bodies on the stage or viewed and gazes, there is a creation or construction of the power dynamics. And in often cases, the bodies or female bodies or POC or people of color are often hyper and over-sexualized, which is somehow treated as somebody who offer pleasure or who serves something. So we wanted to avoid the creation of such a power dynamics that happened through the gaze. I think the good thing about my Ling is that my Ling is very aware of what kind of audience it has and what kind of approach it should have in terms of performances and whether it's doing it, as we said, we are a community platform as well. So if we're doing it for our community or if we're doing it for a certain audience, there is a very much a different approach Like when we do it for performance festival, there is also that use of the Asian body as something to hit the audiences over the head with and to kind of bring out like these inherent stereotypes that they might have and kind of have it be a more confrontational thing where the stereotype often makes them uncomfortable and reflect on what it is they've been 
keeping in their heads and maybe not saying out loud. Whereas in community gatherings, it really is more about a nature of self-care, of kind of bringing out the stories of diaspora that we hold close to us and being able to have a safe space to share these stories with people of the same disposition and maybe it's a space to unload where we can then feel some sort of connection with each other. And that's very different from having an audience stare at you like you were an object performing versus a person with a story. I would like to move on to your exhibition called Not Your Ornament. And uh, my major influence for this title was the notion of ornamentalism by An An Lin Cheng. I would like to start with reading a very brief excerpt of this um, book of Anna An Lin Cheng, which has also been published in your publication accompanying the exhibition. So it reads, To attend to ornamentalism is to ask how racial personhood can be assembled, not through organic flesh, but instead through synthetic inventions and designs, not through corporal embodiment, but rather through attachments that are metonymic and hence superficial, detachable and migratory. Parsing the transformative magic of ornamentalism will allow us to address those bodies that, even as they are being deprived of it, do not seek humanity. I felt like that this excerpt reflects quite well the, I would say, even maybe poetic nature of this text that is part of it. I think it's a beautifully written and quite important piece. And I'd like also to hear a little bit from your side. I know that it is quite important and it was a great influence. Like what brought you to this book? Why do you think it's important and how does it reflect in your work at Secession? Maybe we talk about the book first and how you came upon the book. <laughs> So the ornamentalism, the cell rights by Anna Lin Chen has been influential so much on our work because especially when the ornamentalism as such has been discussed already, but in the feminist discourse or gender studies, but often missing the race issues. But Anna Lin Chen is so important because she is saying that ornamentalization or use of the like female bodies in aesthetic or style making, it was also the process of racialization of certain bodies. So Anna Lin Chen is like trying to talk about how Asian female bodies are racialized and sexualized and gendered with the aesthetic languages such as like some person's skin or Asian female skin is silky or it's really like a Chinese ceramic and so on. I think the, the crucial part of the book is how it asserts that Asian femininity was always viewed as ornamentation, how the female body was then looked on not as fully human, but as ornament. And this actually linked so much with the Jugendstil style of the secession and its ornamentation and like the beginnings of this, uh, if we look at the works of Klimt and those who did start this organization or this artist association. So my Ling wanted to poke at this and have that be a starting point with the show Not Your Ornament, which can be seen as you walk into the show 
and you see a relief of the show's title, Not Your Ornament, done exactly in this Eugen Steele style with a lot of kudzu sticky stuff on it. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about kudzu. <laughs> Yeah, we should actually move on uh, to the next room also, which is your video work, a double projection, Becoming Stickiness. And I'd like to start with listening to a small section of that video work. We see ourselves in Kuzu in the way our Asianness is a hybridized embodiment of human and object. Both a flower and a weed. Painted by the white Eurocentric imagination. Could you say a little bit more about your interest in Kuzu, how it found its way into the video work? What's your interest in Kutsu? So when we were in the research phase of the exhibition, we were already interested in topics like ornamentalism and also dirtiness and stickiness when it comes to food and these elements that are maybe considered xenophobic but are Asian in origin. And we were also interested in topics like plant colonialism especially plants that were brought over from East Asia. Uh, we had a intervention at Brunnen Passage. It was a public performance yeah, where we had various plant species that were brought over to Europe that were not native here. And when we encountered kudzu, we realized that this plant really encompasses all the research topics that we had because it was brought over for ornamental reasons, for decorative reasons, until it became invasive and basically uncontrollable. And then when we looked at the roots of the kudzu, we realized that so many sticky foods are made from the roots of kudzu, because the roots can be made into this powdered starch. So... Kudzu was really the connecting factor for us, and we really wanted to embody this plant or form a kinship with this plant. I think one of the striking things about our secession exhibition, as you mentioned before, Christian, was how people were getting bothered by the fact that my ling was linking itself to an invasive plant. And I think this is one of those sticky topics that we like bringing to the fore that we really like playing with. Because is this plant really invasive or is it just because it's unwieldy and not sticking to the labor that it was brought in to Europe to perform? And when we say that, it means like the history of this plant has also been to prevent soil erosion. It was brought in first as a decorative plant, kutsu, And then later they discovered that because of its strong roots, it could be used along highways to prevent soil erosion. But then also realizing after a while that they could not get rid of it. It was uncontrollable. It was not the type of plant that could stick to the labor that it was brought in for. So the unwieldy plant became named invasive. And it's this narrative of something going from decorative and ornamental into invasive that... My Ling was attracted to and thought, 
was very good material for how Asian bodies are talked about too. We started to see so many similarities in the discourse of naming an invasive plant or how to regulate or control an invasive plant. And we saw those similarities with the discourse of migratory populations, with diasporas, populations who arrive in the Western world, whether it's Europe or the U.S., they arrive for for the job market. And then after they arrive, then they're faced with, you know, xenophobia or this unwantedness, right? Like, go back home, go back where you came from. So this is the the main connection we felt with the kudzu plants, with any invasive plants. I think it is also important to mention that we are very much influenced by the text by a scholar who is called Banu Subramanium. She's based in States and she's an Asian, Indian, American scholar who is also uh, trained as an evolutionary biologist. She's saying that all the rhetoric of invasive plants or even the notion of invasive, what is native, what is invasive, what is newcomer, are all the result of colonial projects. Yeah, so as the other member also says, like this, we really see the parallel, but how Banu is uh, suggesting to think about invasive plants is we are not seeking the humanity that Western society constructed. Simply also like going back to the Anand like theory of ornamentalism, the certain bodies are treated as a a human slash object and that is not wholly fulfilling the Western sense of humanhood. But we are even not also seeking for such a human humanism. And that is somehow like, yeah, we try to re-deconstruct this construction. And play with that stickiness. And also regarding this discussion and the kuzu, I think we also need to mention that kuzu root also used as a medical use in Asia. And this is also for us, it's important to also think collectively about how we can heal and how we can have a pleasure. So uh, stickiness is also connected to us that how this stickiness can bring pleasure to us and also how we can come together, stick together to survive and heal together. For those that haven't seen the exhibition, can you paint a picture of, we have already had this entrance with the sticky slime, let's call it, running down the Not Your Ornament title. Can you paint a bit more of a picture of the exhibition, like where did this find entry in your in your work and in your show? Well, following after the Not Your Ornament relief that's covered in stickiness, then you enter the quartz realm, which is a double projection, so two-channel film that's facing directly opposite of each other so that the films are almost in dialogue with each other. The film is split into three parts or three chapters, And the script was heavily influenced by Ghost Stories for Darwin and also Anne Lin Cheng's Ornamentalism. Oh, and also Queer Feminology by Sarah Ahmed. And in the last chapter, 
actually has no dialogue at all and focuses on a kudzu-inspired choreography of uh, multiple bodies taking space in the prater, very deep in the woods, and we're embodying stickiness through this choreography. And then like first going to the, the next room, you see the plant and sound installation. And there, like we are, like bringing like a different typical house brands in the at home or like in the Western society that are brought from somewhere outside. Mainly they are from Asia, and each of the plants and hill on the plant are narrating the different stories, including some historical narrative of the plants, how this plant has a migratory stories or somehow the, the personal histories or personal stories that are connected to plants. Maybe I can add more to the plant room in the back. So aside from the mounds of different ornamental house plants that are there, you also have stories connected to this spoken in everyone's um, own language. So the stories are actually being told through an audio installation in many different mother tongues that have connections to these plants, not necessarily plants from the origin of the mother tongue, but people's relations to these plants. The walls of this room are also peppered, <laughs> is that a word, <laughs> or is installed with a kudzu motif in the Jugendstil style. So the plant and sound installation are surrounded by the wallpaper that is uh, reappropriating the style of Arnubal, but with the kuzu plant and the Japanese knotweed, that is also another invasive plant that you can find in Vienna here at the Donau Canal. And also on the pattern, we also included root of Japanese knotweed and kuzu because often case, our newborn don't include uh, root, only leaf or flower. So this is also for us important to include all part of the plants. The Arnubo sometimes uh, depict aerial roots, but aerial roots is above the soil. But we in really wanted to include the roots that is hidden you often in aesthetic context. But in this context of kuzu and uh, all the discourse that we are talking about, it's really important to bring up these roots that is usually hidden, but actually holding all the plants. So it's a bit like a similar to the labor, labor that are brought into the Western society to fuel how the society works as a beautiful society, but there is something underneath. I just wanted to bring up the portrait of the different mylings who were participating in the video. So it's again brought back into this room as almost like a family portrait in the woods where you have myling turning to plants or being one with plants. How does this portrait work with the anonymity? You can't really tell who's who as all the mylings are wearing masks made out of leaves, actually, to sort of not disclose who each individual is. Um, and these are actually beautifully crafted masks and other leafy add-ons <laughs> into our attire. 
this installation are showed in a different room, but for us it was really important to have like close connection between the video and also the installation because although it is somehow separately shown in this exhibition, but we developed together. So it's like the video is also for us a journey to becoming Kuzu and this portrait that people see it at the end of the show somehow is our other kind of like other portrait of transforming with Kuzu and becoming with Kuzu. So it's kind of like a visual manifestation even, I would say, as a collective portrait. I think we also get a lot of questions about the reading room, which is a little side room to these two main rooms of the installation. A lot of people aren't quite sure what to make of this room since it comes off as very different, almost like a little library with two video installations and a lot of cushioned seating, floor seating, and a little kutsu plant in the middle. But we like to think of this room as kind of the network installation, kind of the the little brain behind everything, actually. And also we want to contextualize why we are here in Vienna and why Malin was started. So one video, especially from 2019, Beautiful Alain Gao, is more our first statement about why we are using Malin from the old German video and why we are using multiple voices. And also, these multiple voices should not be limited to my lens. And actually, there are so many uh, Asian diaspora initiatives or artist collectives or uh, activists that we also we feel resonate together. So the reading space is also for us, it's a kind of showing different positions in Europe that also like sharing process. It's like the neural hub of Myling because there you see all the books that we're referring to within our video installations and our sound installations. And of course, also all the other Asian diaspora collectives that have contributed a lot to Myling's thinking and the way we like to do our community work, if we can call it this, or, or the uh, things that we do for the community itself. Also, in those two videos, it was already mentioned that one beautiful alien girl is uh, based off of Gerald Polt's uh, satirical comedic sketch. I say comedic in quotes here, called where they do have a character called Mai Ling. And this is where Mai Ling, the collective, actually directly draws their name from. And it's one of the first works that Mai Ling did. And the other side is actually another, it's a it's a nod to the series that Myling does constantly, aside from Myling Reads, is Myling Talks. Speaks. <laughs> and there are two excerpts from that which come from different places within Europe to also show that Myling extends beyond the Vienna-Austria borders. So the community work actually plays a big role. Myling Speaks is one part of it. There's also Myling Reads. Can you say a little bit more about these more ephemeral works, how they take place in your exhibition? I think there's tours. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Myling Speaks especially is very special for us 
it was started during the COVID time, and that time we witnessed escalation of anti-Asian hate in Europe. So that time we started initiating the discussion online. So each time we invited Asian diaspora organization or activists or artists who have been working on these issues of racism, anti-Asia, and each episode. And and we still continue this series. Of course, during COVID time, we did it online. But right now, we also uh, organize in-person meetings or discussions. And at the secession, we extended this Mylene Speaks as a guided tour. So every Saturday at 4 p.m., we have guided tour in different languages, Mandarin, Cantonese, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, Tagalog, Indonesian, Visaya, Visaya <laughs> Thai, Bangal, so uh, many different languages. Bangla. Bangla, sorry. <laughs> so we have different languages guided tour. And we, especially this time, asked Secession to offer a free ticket for this guided tour. Because if we open up our space for our communities, and especially the community that are not really familiar with contemporary art, we want to have less barriers to come such a spaces. And every time we asked different mediator who organized the guided tour. So every Saturday, totally different things happening, depend on the mediator. So sometimes a lot of discussion happens, sometimes sharing stories happen, and sometimes tea or some sweet, uh, sticky food has been shared together. So for us, it has been very important networking and gathering, but in the frame of guided tour. Uh, so Myrin Rees is another type of gathering activities that we do as a monthly reading group. And this is more like a casual reading session. So we read together, uh, we read out the text together with some peoples. And this is actually uh, quite new activities that we are doing so we have been doing this since last winter. So actually, like how we developed the work that, that, that are shown in the session are also partially result of the reading group because we are reading, we, we read the uh, ornamentalism and uh, ghost stories for Darwin and uh, queer phenomenologies. So all this like a really important three text are actually uh, read uh, in the Myrian reads together, so we can always discuss about the text. So this, like uh, somehow activities, Myrian speaks and Myrian reads, this ephemeral work. So activities are actually uh, nurturing the work that we are always making. So it's always like interconnecting each other. Before we slowly get to an end, I would like to come back to the very last room in the exhibition and play a little section of the audio that is available in the space. Ficus elastica is originally from Southeast Asia. It was used to create rubber in the early 1900s before people discovered a better alternative. 
Now, it is extremely popular as a houseplant because of its low maintenance nature. Ficus elastica. You are one of the first plants I kept since I first moved to Vienna more than five years ago. However, I can't remember where you came from, if I bought you from a store or if you were gifted from a friend. I would like to hear a little bit more about the role of decorative with an exclamation mark on decorative plants. And you might also, I feel at least here, like some things we talked about already in this piece is like pleasure plays a role, I think. Like how maybe there comes a lot of things together in this last piece and in this audio also. I think it was really important for us as a collective to depart from this original satire or comedy sketch by Gerhard Polt which is still to this day very difficult for for us to watch. So rather than focusing on that pain, actually bring in pleasure and healing for this current exhibition. The stickiness, which is can be considered, you know, dirty or repulsive, is actually quite comforting and nostalgic for us because it's present in so much of our foods. And so Highlighting the stickiness was definitely a very big theme in this exhibition and also creating a discourse around it, right? Like a discourse where uh, it's actually empowering to stick together as a community. Maybe I can speak to the nature of, of the ornamental plants that we brought in, because a lot of these plants are not considered native to Europe. They, of course, have their own individual migration stories about why they were brought in. And they were mostly brought in for their decorative features. And so that tied in a lot into the whole ornamentalism theme we had going on. And aside from that, also the migration stories of the individual myling members, which could then be paralleled through the plants. Like, as each one has their story of diaspora, these plants too have their story of transplantation and being in a different home environment. And this is also where the idea of invasiveness and non-invasiveness gets brought in again. Like, what would we call these decorative plants? Could they also become an invasive species when they outgrow their decorative feature? Right. So that, that question gets retold in a different way through different connections. And then also as Malin, it's important to mention what we have in domestic space and especially houseplant is were brought to comforting aspect in the domestic space. This is also same as Malin. She was brought to comfort this white guy in the private space. So for us, it's a lot of resonating happened between houseplant and also figure of female, female Asian body. About the pressure, because of this myelin or houseplant, they are expected to offer pleasure to the somebody else. Instead, we as myelin, as a collective, we need to reclaim our agency to have pleasure Because like we are also questioning who can actually have pleasures. And then often like in a migratory context, sometimes like many people of Asian descent are working in 
care industries actually, or like gastronomy, and they these are all the care works to feed and to offer pleasures. But are they, or maybe like a massage and all this kind of like you know care works or nurse and so on, or those are the care works. But sometimes the the pleasure of these people are sometimes dismissed. In this prejudice of the Asian bodies, because Asian bodies are expected to offer rather to receive. So this like uh, pressure, like we are still in the process of um, like exp- experiment and exploration of pressure aspect with sticky substance. We want to reclaim and uh, yeah make a discourse around this, around what gives us pleasure instead of what gives other people pleasure. I think there is something that creates friction. Looking at how you speak about how something creates pleasure for you, but also in the exhibition, I think there is elements that allow pleasure for people visiting the exhibition. I perceive people spending a lot of time in the exhibition. I think because you provided cushions, you provided nice areas to sit down. There is the music that we just listened to. There is certain elements that allow to really enjoy the things you're looking at. While simultaneously, you speak about quite. Serious issues around sexism and racism that people are facing and have to face while actually enjoying pleasure, and there seems to be some friction embedded in that that allows maybe even to bring certain knowledge to people that otherwise might not face it. And I was thinking actually of Bertolt Brecht, and he speaks about five difficulties to tell the truth, and one of the difficulties Brecht said is to actually not just Know what is maybe the truth, but also bring it to the people. And I think that's quite a smart way to transfer that knowledge that comes from a very personal perspective and transfer it to a public at an exhibition. How do you feel about that? Do you can you identify with like this being a way as like bringing it to people? Is like pleasure a way to? create this friction that can be a little bit painful like we saw people being like hmm, is this really like a good way to compare yourself to the invasive plans and the migratory stories where you see people engaging a lot but also see people asking questions that show insecurity about the thing they see I think maybe that's the allure of my ling that we like to engage in things that give us pleasure and we're not private about what gives us pleasure And I think in putting out there specific things that are actually pleasure triggers for us, like the music in the video, let's say, or the texture of stickiness, which ultimately is maybe not something that gives other people the same nurturance or how do we put it, uh, comfort, is that kind of sore we like to poke. I think that's where a lot of the friction of our work comes from, is being able to engage in this two-sided ways where in our taking of pleasure, it's also giving people an uncomfortable feeling because it should. Because to witness Asian bodies taking their own pleasure and agency back is, of course, uncomfortable because you're used to viewing us as ornaments who do not engage in pleasure. So it should rub the wrong way. It should have that agency of making you rethink why you're uncomfortable with this. And also from the beginning, as we discussed, you know, about the institution, we knew that the secession's audience is mixed. 
So there are a lot of like audience who has a white gaze, but we also know that, that a lot of communities will come to our show so that we also want to welcome them to our show. The way how we bring more, you know, like welcoming, but at the same time also bringing issues of colonialism or ornamentalism. So I would think we come to an end with the podcast, but before we do, I'd be curious, what's next? What's coming after this show? Are there plans already? There are things you're working on currently. A good dinner and rest. I think that's the plan for now. But also that my Ling has, I think, opened a lot of doors to a lot of different things that it wants to explore further. So this is just the beginning of everything. Amazing. Thank you so much for the conversation. And also thank you so much for this journey of developing this exhibition together. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Christian. Thank you. Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum.